Hello, Culture Power people. It's your host, Stacey Grant-Lewis. So excited. I'm always excited whenever I have a Culture Power podcast. (laughs) But today I'm particularly excited because we have Mr. Bruce Jackson here with us to talk about his book, Never Far From Home. Oh, my background's going to eat into it, but this is what it looks like. Um because I'll I'll share the link for this podcast with you on YouTube and on wherever you find podcasts as well. Mr. Bruce Jackson, please introduce yourself. Oh, my name is Bruce Jackson. How's everyone doing? I'm the Associate General Counsel at Microsoft and Managing Director of Strategic Partnerships. Wow, very lofty title. And I think, you know, it's it's beautiful to hear that that you express that because your book I was just telling Bruce right before we started, your life has been so interesting, mired in challenges that you've overcome, but some beautiful moments and opportunities for growth too. So let's just assume that the reader or the listener in this case doesn't know about your book. What would you say about your book? I would say, first of all, the book is was written really to inspire people, right? And when I say inspire people, I'm talking about people in urban America, rural America, women, immigrants, people are part of the LGBTQ plus community, all yeah. who have obstacles and barriers. Yeah. And it's about inspiring them to overcome that because the system has kind of failed some of us. Yeah. And I think it's important for them to be inspired, for us all to be inspired, despite that. Because right. if we don't, we're going to leave behind another incredible generation of people in each of those particular groups. And we can't afford to do that. Right, right. I mean, from the get-go, from the prologue, hit me in the gut. Hit me in the gut. And I don't want to give away too much. Here's the thing. I want you to go buy this book, listeners. But from the beginning of this book, your honesty has been, you know, it's you yourself out there, very vulnerable. You're a man who has accomplished a lot professionally, um, who's clearly because, you know, it's called Never Far From Home, stayed close to your roots um, and somehow overcome this system that you now are an attorney in, Mm -hmm. right? And face this challenge. So without giving too much away, how would you say, like when you were writing that part of the book and you're like, you had to describe that you went to jail, right? Um, for no fault of your own, right away, walking walking like a normal or driving like a normal person with your friend. How does that still stay with you till this moment? Like, how has that influenced how you inter- interact at work? Like, how does that influence your life? Oh, no, it, it does, right? I mean, the, the situation you're talking about is when I guess the one, it's more than one time, but I guess yeah. the one you're referring to is the one after I closed the $100 million deal at Microsoft and we yeah. celebrated in the office and I went to the store to buy some crabs and beers to celebrate with people of my community, public housing. Yeah. And that's when I got arrested. Um, I, I think that the reality is I'm just aware of the system in which we live in. And I talk to my colleagues at Microsoft. I tell them we close a hundred million dollar deal. I close billions of dollar deals. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when I leave and they leave, they walk out of Caucasian privileged life. And I walk out as a black man in America and no one is asking me, do I work for Microsoft? Did I close a billion dollar deal? Um, that's just the reality. Right. And Sure, it sticks with me. I'm constantly reminded. And when I drive, to be honest with you, and I pass the police officer, I always say to myself, let's not get stopped on a Friday because I don't spend 
the weekend in jail. Spending one day or one night is bad enough, but certainly not a weekend. Right. And then, you know, like hearing you describe that experience of who is in the jail with you and and, and like empathizing with how hopeless that person might feel because they have nothing on the outside or they have people on the outside. Clearly, just because you live in the projects does not mean you don't have people. Right. So but the system is just so it clutches at you, right? It clutches yep. at you. And it, you know, even listening to you say that more than one time, well, which time? And here's here you are, a man living your life. Which time did I go to jail or was I stopped? Right. So that's from the jump. Guys, when you're reading this book, this is what you're going to be walking into. It's very real. So let's keep it positive here because you know, we could talk about the system as much as right, we want. Absolutely. To, right. Absolutely. And this is about inspiration and about, you know, lifting yourself up despite your your troubles. So your hustle started very young. Um, you know, you're a person like 10 years old, 12 years old, trying to make your way. And I never really heard it described as you're basically trying to stay busy, right? Stay busy so you wouldn't get into trouble. Absolutely. I didn't know. I didn't. I never realized that that was your that was kind of a strategy, you know, to keep your idle hands busy. No, there's no question about it. I mean, the incidents you're talking about selling newspapers, although uh, we stole the newspapers to sell it. But other friends of mine were selling drugs or robbing people. So we stayed away from that. And we just stole newspapers to sell it so we can make money to help our family subsidize our lifestyle. Right. Right. So, you know, every as we go along in life as children and as adults, we we get these moments, these forks in the road. You had one with your father who, although he wasn't present all the time, made sure that you knew that he really wasn't on board with that kind of lifestyle. And would you say that was like a huge impact for you to like choose another path because of the way he felt? Or was oh, that I think it I think it was. My father was never a present con- presence in my life, a constant presence. Yeah. However, when he intervened, it's intervention. I had intervention right. in life throughout, whether it was my father or someone else. But in that situation, I I thank him for it because had I continued to engage in that activity, I wouldn't be here in front of you today having this discussion. Right. So he did come in and he stopped me from doing it. I think it was the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, intervention and opportunity. Right. Because it sounds Absolutely. like it sounds like, well, to, not to like take away from your aptitude, because clearly you were very good at accounting and very good at certain subjects. And there, people were surprised that you because you're a kid of color, you're a black kid. Yep. How can you be so good at accounting? Right. So some of those people were surprised and then put it aside. But other people said, well, maybe you should be here instead. Right. So opportunity, right. opportunity seems to be the differentiating factor. And you need people in your life, right? I think I was fortunate to work hard, but you also need different people in your life. And I had people who didn't look like me who stepped in and supported me as well as mentors. So you got to be open to that as well. Right. Do you think that now because you had those experiences, you go out of your way to make sure other kids or other people in your life have that same experience of being that opportunity to somebody else? Oh, that's what I live for now, right? Because I realize the inequity that exists. Right. People, women and people of color. So I feel I'm compelled and obligated to do what I can to kind of make their roads a little easier and try to move some of the barriers that I was confronted with. I also appreciated that you take away the stigma a bit of the projects. Right. You know, in America, especially, we like to group things together in these labels and say, well, this is the ghetto. This is this. And it's just a one note thing when it really isn't, you know, People are living there. Yes. Some of them of low income. Yes. You know, but the reason 
is is much more complex than people think. You know, they they assume a lot of things about your character and and why you do certain things and make certain choices because you're a bad person. But is that one of the reasons that you stayed so close to your project life? Yeah, no, I, I stay close. One, I never far from home. One, Microsoft Office is a mile away from where I grew up in the project. <laughs> the practicality. And the practicality. And I think um, from a emotional standpoint, I go there often. Family and friends still live there. Yeah. And so I go there because it's in my heart. And I think the reality is everyone wants to live a better life. I think that's the misconception. Yeah. But they just don't know how. And one of the things I explain to people is the system's not designed for people to break out of it. And that's why I encourage people to break out. And just to make it clear, I said, if you take someone from an affluent area, wherever you live, and have them grow up in the projects, and you take someone from the projects very young and put them in an affluent area, that kid in the projects who was born in an affluent area, now living in an affluent area, would do extremely well. Yeah, And the kid in the affluent area, now living in the projects, would have difficulty. So the project's not doesn't give you the resources or the environment for you to reach your potential. And you have to ask yourself why. And so right. that's why I want to encourage people until the system change to kind of break out and you have to break out. Yeah. Despite your situation. You either have to have that internal locus where you're the person who's driving that breakout because right. the system around you, the environment is not telling you to leave. Not conducive. Right. It's making it very easy for you to stay. Absolutely. So, there are a lot of messages in this book, messages of hope and inspiration. But why did you think it was important to write it, first of all? I think the reason I initially wrote it, to be honest with you, is a client of mine, entertainment client of mine approached me and said, Bruce, you have to write a book because in our environment, people want to be entertainers or athletes. And you lived in our community. You're a part of the community and you took a different road. And the reality is that from a percentage standpoint, there are more people who are lawyers and doctors than athletes or entertainers. So we need to let people know that there are other options. Don't discourage them from their dreams or passion. But there's other ways that they can go in different directions. So that's kind of why I initially wrote it. Right. And, you know, I don't again, I don't want to do any spoilers, but there was that moment, too, when you got involved in the theater. Like kids don't think about things like that in terms of like elevating themselves and public speaking and like little avenues, because I'm sure that impacted you later on in your life, even if, you know, you don't know. No, 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 you're absolutely right. My friends don't know. That I wanted to be on Broadway (laughs) and I took I wanted to be a triple threat as you read the book and that's dance lessons, singing and acting lessons. They didn't know that, but certainly that helped me in my career later on in life. So before you got to Microsoft, you were an entertainment lawyer, Mm -hmm. which was so cool to read about. Like I had no different about no idea about that world and just like reading about your associations and, you know, your perceptions of the people that you worked with. Very interesting winding path that you took to Microsoft. Yeah. Very well, I think it, was, it was great. It was a great time. I think it was in the nineties, the nineties were, I think the music was good. best time. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no question about it. And I was able to represent some of the top hip hop and R and B artists during that time. So it was great. And they weren't much young. They weren't much younger than me, to be honest yeah. with you, but they trusted me with their careers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, clearly you did a good job because, you know, a lot of them are still around. Um, what was the most difficult part of writing the book? What was hard for you? I think there was a lot, right? I think uh, personally, just writing and reflecting on my relationship with my grandmother and the fact that 
she is not around or was not around when I started to achieve things from an academic and professional standpoint. That was extremely difficult. Yeah. Getting arrested at 10 years old, just reflecting and going back to that time. Um, and the fact that they wanted me to confess to a crime I didn't commit. And right. had I done that, my life would have changed. And right. The difficult part is that still goes on today, right? The Central Park Five is an example of what happens when young kids confess to a crime because they want to go home. Right. And right. they may run, right? But that's Because that's the natural tendency is to run. That's, you're that's what you do. So right. hopefully people get from that, that when a kid runs, it's not always a sign of guilt. And when a kid who's 10, 11, and 12 confess to a crime, it's not because they're guilty. It may be they just want to go home. Right. That's what I was faced with. Say you did it and you can go home. Right. Bombarding you, right? Absolutely. Trying to get you into the system. It's like a a chattel system. No question about it. So that just reflecting on your grandmother's life was the most challenging part. And it was. Personally, it was. Yep. What did you, as you were writing, and I'm sure things came up and you made revisions and, you know, inclusions in the book. Is there anything, as you saw your life laid out on paper, that you're like, hmm, I wish I had taken a different path or had made a different choice or no? I think the only thing that I, when I think about it, I realized when I was into the theaters, I opted not to pursue that career after high school. Instead, I opted to go to college. Mm-hmm. And I regret not betting on myself. And part of the reason I didn't know how to bet on myself, I should have believed in myself. But I took the position that many people I know who were in the arts, many of them end up working in restaurants and bartenders. You're not wrong. So so the lesson learned is that don't measure your potential or your success based on other people's failures, which is what I did. And I should have just bet on myself and believe in myself because I think now, knowing what I know, I would have been successful as an actor. Well, there's still time, Bruce Jackson. There, it's not over. Right, it's not, and, and I've and I've been given some serious thoughts about that. Yeah, I mean, this book alone, you know, you could be involved in like getting this to a screen. I think, I know Viola Davis. If you're listening, please help, Mr. Bruce Jackson. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> what are the key takeaways that you want the listener, you know, or even the reader, to take from your work? I think there are a lot of different things. I think for people who are privileged, like I stated earlier, is about giving them proximity so we can get empathy and support from them. I think that's one of the things I want people to take away from it. I want people to believe in themselves, right? Bet on themselves yeah. and, and believe that they can get through despite the situation that they're in. And I also want people to use their experience and, and to really share their experience, because I think it's the most incredible tool that we can use to inspire the next generation. Right. Well, that's very that's very noble of you. And I think, you know, proximity is a powerful thing. I think we can be very removed. You know, I'm an immigrant child. I came here. I did the whole education thing. And right. And sometimes, you know, you get successful and you forget where you come from or you leave the community. You don't forget you leave the community and you're really not revitalizing it in any Absolutely. way. Absolutely. back. So yeah. this is kind of a reminder that you can still do that. Right. Absolutely. So I think people will get a lot out of it. But I also want people to support the book because all the royalties from the book are going to serve underserved communities, not for profits. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. I didn't know that. I wish no, I was. That's exactly that. all the book royalties are going to five not for profits that I designated. 
Oh, that's wonderful. I'll make sure I'll really like pump this out to everyone. I'll market it out. Um, so, you know, do you think this is appropriate for a teenager to read? Because I would think it would be. No, yeah. absolutely. It is. I think that we want to try to start inspiring people as young as possible. A teenager. Yeah. Absolutely. There's nothing that they haven't heard. Right. And some of the, you know, they think that they're too removed from, but it can happen to them, you know? Absolutely. So what would you say then to your younger self? Any messaging that you would say to your younger self? To my younger self, again, I have to go back to that that whole central theme. Listen, Bruce, believe in yourself um, and bet on yourself. That's what I want young people to get on this. You have to. And you have several different options. You can be what you want to be. Right. You have to just work hard at it. You're going to need mentors along the way. But look, think big and bold always. Think well, you know, maybe you don't feel it, but I feel like you believed in yourself. Like you went the the road less traveled. You know, yeah, I think I did people. ultimately, but initially not pursuing my dream and passion for the, yeah. the arts. I did not. Yeah. But once I got past that, I had the confidence I need just based on. The three women in my life, my aunt, my grandmother, and my mother, right? That was my core existence Um, to try to make sure that I support them and basically be a generational support for the next generation that came after me. And I think that has worked because many people in my family have gone to college since then. Oh, that's one. I mean, all it takes is one example. Absolutely. You have to see it, to believe it. See it, right? And say like, well, look at Uncle Bruce. Uncle Bruce is doing it. I want to be just like him. Absolutely. And that's the result of my effort so far. That's wonderful. So what is next for you? I mean, do you just go back to the office and say, guys, I wrote a book? (laughs) You know what? Everyone's asked me that. You know what my answer is? That God took me this far. I'm sure he has a plan of where I'm going next. And when I know, I'll certainly let you know. You'll come back when you're, you know, winning a Sundance Award for you know, the best <laughs> short film for your life. It could happen. I'm just putting it out in the universe. No, I know. Absolutely. I got calls already, to be honest with you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, is there anything that you want the listener to know about your work? You know, this is your platform. I, for example, did not know that this was going to support nonprofits and not for profits. I think that's a beautiful thing. Where should they look for your book? Oh, you can find it on all outlets, whether it's Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, your local bookstore. Um, it's available on all sites that yeah. you can get any other book. Yeah. Any key takeaways? Anything else that you'd like uh, to? No, no, I just think that the key takeaways is that we all have to support each other. This is a journey that we have to support each other. One of the things I was talking to someone and I said, oftentimes people African-Americans, we're in certain leadership positions. And mm-hmm. sometimes the organization that we support reflects this organization that we want to be diverse. Yeah. And I think that we have to hold us accountable for diversity as well. Right. Yes. yes. Each other and each of the group that I mentioned have to be accountable for it as well. Not just the Caucasian white men. Yeah. Uh, we have to certainly keep our foot on the accelerator and make sure they do the right thing. But that yeah. doesn't excuse us for doing it. That's absolutely right. So a friend of mine, she is the general counsel at the Gates Foundation. And she said to me, you know, Stacey, because she's of color as well. And she she said, you know, unfortunately, the way the system is set up, 
it's set up that we support whatever is in place. Mm -hmm. So if you continue the way you are, where you think that you're doing good in a certain way, but you're not pushing on that pedal, you're going to only support maintaining the system as it is. It does not want to change. Absolutely. Get to a certain level, but you have to keep pushing because it doesn't want to change. But she's right. And we have an obligation to push because we're only who we are because others pushed. Exactly. And gave us the opportunities that we could recognize. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I loved having you on. Uh, Listeners, readers out there, the book is called Never Far From Home. It is an easy read. I was engrossed, like I said, from the prologue. Um, It's a powerful book. Um, Please pass it on to your friends and family and recommend it to them as well. Thank you so much, Mr. Bruce Jackson. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Great meeting you as well. All right. Take care of yourself. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Mr. Jackson for stopping by to chat with me about Never Far From Home. This book is so worth the read. You'll probably get through it in a weekend. It is from the jump. Just it's very he's very vulnerable in this book and I'm really impressed. And his takeaway and what he wants to gift to the world and young people about hustle, about drive, about picking yourself up out of your surroundings while staying in touch with your community. It's really, really inspiring. And I hope that whoever reads it will pay it forward um, in their own lives because you never know whose life you're affecting or impacting positively, as is clear in this book. Thanks for listening. Until next time.